What are you afraid of? Scared you go there and find out that he doesn't love you anymore, honey. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you feel. Not how you feel, but how you deal with what you feel that is real. You've got to relax, relate, and release into reality. What was that like being in therapy? Uh, Were you, what did you talk about that you had never acknowledged to yourself or talked talk? I grew so much from the experience. But I think the most important thing I got is that everything is connected. I mean, if I have a problem, I usually just go to church, give me some Jesus. <laughs> I'm cool. Welcome to our first episode of Black in Therapy, where we are discovering journeys, we are dismantling myths, and we are declaring our truths. I got my co-host with me, Donna. Say hi, Donna. <laughs> hey, y'all. So we're going to start. Um, since this is our first episode, we kind of wanted to interview each other um, and not necessarily bring a guest on. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. The way our podcast will be set up is that there will be uh, about four segments the first segment will be, uh, I got a story to tell. And that's when we're just going to talk about journeys of mental wellness, you know, why people choose to go to therapy, why people don't choose to go to therapy. Uh, the next segment is going to be, uh, don't believe the hype. And we're going to talk about myths and why black people don't go to therapy. Like, let's jump into the myths and the uh, stigmas that are attached to mental wellness in the black community. The third segment is going to be truth is, and that's when we declare our truth and what we've learned through our journeys, what we've learned through life. Then we're going to jump in and do a two-minute session where we're going to jump into our inboxes and answer a question from one of our listeners. And then we're going to end each show with a song, a feel-good song of the day. So let's jump right into it. So my journey started early on, but I think that sometimes we don't realize when our journey starts, we just think that it starts with the word therapy but what I realized is that my journey started in therapy way before I was introduced to therapy as as a clinician or as um, a case manager working with children with mental health disabilities you know therapy started for me in my family and realizing that I didn't realize that people in my family actually did go to therapy because it wasn't talked about so my journey started um, with my family, knowing that they saw therapists but wasn't exactly sure about what was going on. Um, but my journey started late. My journey started with wanting to be a clinician, and that was just being in the mental health field and helping children navigate um, and access mental health services and realizing that therapy is needed for the children, for the kids. So my journey started as a clinician, knowing that I want to do this, and I want to be a therapist, and I want to understand and help people in therapy cool so you mentioned two things in your in your journey you talked about not knowing that your family actually went to therapy and then you talked about it not starting until you became a clinician so looking back on your journey why do you think that it's not talked about in the black community or in black families or necessarily like more specifically your your black family why it wasn't talked about I think it was just something that seemed taboo. It's kind of like therapy was like sex in, in certain homes. You know, you don't talk about it. It's just kind of like until you are of age. I think therapy was something that wasn't seen to introduce to 
kids and to introduce into a certain area of your life. Um, I mean, obviously, once they got, once people get older, they still kind of, you know, shy away from it. But we didn't, I don't think it was, it was just kind of like sex. You don't talk about it. It wasn't something that we, we discussed outside of ourselves. Um, it wasn't something that people wanted other people to know. It was kind of, you know, shunned upon. People didn't want to know that, that I go to therapy, you go to therapy, you have to talk to somebody. Also, therapists didn't look like us. So it was more so like, oh, are you talking to someone who doesn't look like, like, who can understand you? I don't think we had a black community of therapists. So we talked about it not being talked about because we were kind of like, you know, that, that age limit, that taboo conversation. Um, but then breaking that stigma too, because I feel like the earlier we talk to our children about our mental health and, and, and allow them to be aware of their feelings, right, and their emotions and how to manage those emotions, I think the better off uh, will be as people, right? The, the the sooner we have that conversation. So how important do you think it is to stress that to other parents that we need to be checking on our kids' feelings? It's so and how important. common do you think it is? I think people ask, I think people stay kind of on the basics of how was your day, what was going on. Um, but sometimes I don't think people think to process emotions the way that clinicians may be able to. Because I think parents talk to their children. I hope they talk to their children. Um, at least my parent friends do. Um, and the parents that I work with, um, they they do talk to their children about how they're feeling. But I don't think they're able to process as much, you know, um, what feelings are attached to what emotions and what actions and what did you do, you know, what was the result of it or what led up to it, you know, but sometimes when we're working in the mental health field, we see it so often we can, we can point it out in everyday life. But I definitely think that parents, some know and some don't. I, I encounter a lot of people that actually do know. Okay. So it's time to bust the myth. It's time to uh, break down a stigma or or a, a belief, a cultural belief that we have in the black community when it comes to our mental health. So now it's time for our Don't Believe the Hype segment. Where do you think they came from? I don't know if it was just something that came from how we grew up and us not, you know, being able to express ourselves in, in slavery. Let's just mm -hmm. say that, you know. Um, and then things that are taught in a black household is just, it, it, it circles itself. You know, stay in a child's place, speaking and spoken to, um, stay out of grown folks' business. Like, just certain things that I think that kind of circulates in our communities. Um, it's tied to mental health. And I think when people say mental health, they don't realize that it's just feelings. It's, it's, it's how you're feeling, how you're processing it. So, Parents don't, people don't think about mental health in that aspect. They mm -hmm. think about it like you depressed right. or... They don't think about it as when you get yelled at or get a beating and they're like, I'm, I'm going to give you something to cry for. Right. Like, <laughs> I have a reason to cry right now. I got a beating or, and or you yelled at me and made me feel a type of way. So my outward expression now is to cry. But a lot of times black people's, black parents' response to that is shut up before I give you something to cry for, right? Mm -hmm, right? And so, to your point, mental health is really feelings and how are we feeling, how are we managing what we go through? Um, so, I think that plays an important role where you say, like, stay in a child's place. All those um, oppressive behaviors, right, that cause a person not to be able to process their emotions. And so, I see so many clients, and I'm, I'm sure you, you deal with clients too, that have, like, suppressed emotions and they don't know how to express how they feel because they've been taught to keep what they feel inside. Mm -hmm. for things like be quiet before I give you something to cry for or things like stay in a child's place or 
you know, pretty much whatever. You don't have an opinion on this because you're not a, an adult, mm -hmm. right? Or be seen and not heard. So all these things cause us to grow up and have these suppressed emotions. And then we try to function in adult relationships, right? Not just, you know, physical relationships, romantic relationships, but period. And we kind of can't because we don't know how to. Because we've been taught to suppress or keep whatever we're feeling on the inside. Mm -hmm. At an early age, so little. Cause so so when did you did you start knowing about mental health when you were a baby, like a child? Do you remember having to talk about your feelings or any type of? I can remember being an extremist, so I can remember like going through things growing up and then be like, I'm gonna kill myself, and it's just like you're not really gonna kill yourself, but you're just going to the extreme because I didn't know how to manage what I was feeling, right? Um, but I guess being aware of feelings and emotions like knowing about therapy knowing about mental health probably started i must say maybe like really knowing probably in college like i don't think that it was a real thing for me until i went to college you know what i mean and then started trying to um manage my emotions right i think my my freshman year of college was the hardest year um i went through a breakup then my grandmom had died it was a lot right it was a lot to manage and then i like it was freshman year of college i'm adjusting from being you know I me mean, a high schooler to a, a freshman in college um, so that's when I started to become aware of it. Like, maybe I need to go talk to somebody or, you know, started doing some community service work in the counseling uh, office. So that's when I think I became aware of it. But that was college. That was, what, 17, 18 right now? Mm-hmm. Right. So. But as a, as a child, you don't remember, like, do you have any thoughts about, like, how I remember going to therapy household? as a child. I do remember going to therapy. Because that's, that's because I was being an extremist and said I was going to kill myself over something that happened in school. And so my parents immediately put me in therapy. And I remember going. Um, I don't think the counselor was that good looking back on it because I think she let a lot of the sessions get out of control. Um, she also wasn't black. And you know what I mean? And that's a, not saying, you know, black people just need to go to a black therapist. But um, when we talk about culture and being relatable, I don't think that she um, was able to manage the room well enough looking back on it now. Um, going through school and everything else, like I can say that I don't think she was able to manage the room well. But I do remember going to therapy as a kid. Mm -hmm. So your parents I just were don't aware know how enough it to was. say, hey, something is wrong. Let yeah, me, let yeah. me help. They definitely were aware of it. And um, more so my mom um, with with going and being proactive about it. Uh, but yeah, it definitely, for me, it wasn't until I was about 17 or 18 um, that I started to discover like it on my own. Mm -hmm. And then the transition as you went through college and became yeah. a clinician? Or did, did you know that you wanted to be a clinician was that something that kind of like connected the dots when you went to therapy and when you were struggling in no high school? no that didn't even connect the dots for me what connected the dots for me was when um, my friend committed will die by suicide um that kind of changed the trajectory of my life and that's when I was like well let me see you know what this mental health stuff is about because I wanted to educate people right because we didn't know like we didn't know the warning signs of suicide we didn't know the risk factors and if we would have known we probably could have prevented it um, so I kind of wanted to educate people on that and 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 figure out um, how I could help. And that's when it changed the trajectory. So that's when I wanted to be. And I don't even think I necessarily even wanted to be a, a therapist. I just wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. um, so I did, you know, change my major. I did my um, minor in human services. I did go back to grad school for counseling. Uh, just be, for the simple fact that I wanted to help people. And as I started going through the program, I'm like, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can be a therapist. You know, I, I like this. Um, I like checking in on people. I like talking to people. And I'm newsy, too. Can we just be honest with that? Like, I like, you know, sometimes I like hearing about people's lives. I do. You know? And I like the trust part. I like that people trust me with their truth and trust me with um, the worst parts of their lives and the best parts of their lives, right? Mm 
Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's definitely hard to, to live in and be in your truth when, you know, the world we live in. We live in a, a very stigma-enforced world where we have to be a certain way, look mm-hmm. a certain way, and we can't live in our truth because people are going to judge us and you don't feel comfortable with just being who you are. So I think therapy right. can be there for a lot of people because you don't have to have a mental health diagnosis in order to feel like you want to go somewhere to live your truth and say your truth right. and, and feel affirmed in that. And feel affirmed in it. And I think that's the biggest part. I think people feel like something has to be necessarily wrong. There's nothing wrong with anybody that goes to therapy, right? Even if you have a mental illness, there's nothing wrong with you. You're still a whole person, but how do you develop and become better? And and that's the key. Like, I think everybody should sit on the couch at some point and talk, like, just to get it off. Get it off your chest. Like, even a process, there's so many so much things, so many things that we go through on a daily basis, like stuff we just see, like that's traumatic, that's triggering, that sometimes you just need to go and talk about it and there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, uh, and I shared it before with you, Donna, like my journey in therapy for real started from a breakup and that was something that had to happen for me to get to where I needed to be. So that might've put the puzzle pieces together. Maybe mm-hmm. me going to therapy in that moment, might have put the puzzle pieces together for me. Like, yo, I need this. And I need to be this for other people. Mm-hmm. So, right. I wonder how many people go to therapy and become therapists because of it. Right. That's something definitely I would want That we can look into. Right. I, will want, I just wonder, because of how it helped you and mm-hmm. maybe other people was, you know, in that type of realm and like, oh. Right. I can't believe someone could be this amazing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, let me go on ahead and be this amazing for someone else because right. every therapist needs a therapist too, right? So. Every therapist <laughs> needs a therapist. Every pastor needs a therapist. Every person that has to deal with leadership, I feel like, needs a therapist um, because sometimes we carry so many other people's weights that we don't know what to do with it. Um, so, yeah. And that's all. Everybody, therapy changed my life. Like, I'm a... a uh advocate for therapy like my therapist saved my life like she those conversations every thursday saved my life so you know and not that i was suicidal but i was not living and i think people also need to recognize that donna like it's not just about wanting to commit suicide or die by suicide or just die period it's the fact that sometimes we live and try to navigate life with all that heaviness and we aren't living right Mm -hmm. so if i were to continue on that path i probably wouldn't be where i am today right because i wasn't living I was managing, I was maintaining, I was barely getting through the day. Mm -hmm. So when I say therapy saved my life, it gave me my life back and opened my eyes to what else could be, right? Sometimes when we are in um, situations or circumstances, we can't see beyond the fog. I think therapy helped me see through that fog, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It does, and I think that makes sense for a lot of people that, um, you know, it's not just about, a diagnosis but mm-hmm. it's, and we we're so used to managing and just kind of getting through right but you can't manage and manage and manage on top of manage because what's going to happen is going there's going to be some type of break and mm-hmm. people don't realize that you know you can't hold the weight of the world on your shoulders you can't not a single mom not a person you know dealing with some type of mental health diagnosis or death in the family or even managing people in a leadership role as a pastor as whatever you are you cannot hold the world of everyone else on your shoulders and I think that is strong people and I think it's black people we're like oh we got this I can handle it no matter what you do because you've been taught that right we've been taught every that. black person can handle it they right. can handle anything they can manage anything mom brother sister no matter what you do 
they they're not going to act like they can't handle it. They're not going to act like it. And 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 we can be literally crumbling on the inside, but we're not going to show it. Whether it's money, whether it's anything, we're always going to make a way. Like we're going to make a way for it to happen. And what does that do to you over time? To your point, what does that do to you over time to always have to show up and figure it out and be the strong person and make a way? And I get it. Like that's our ancestors. Like you know what I mean? Like that that great cloud of witnesses those people that are cheering us on and so we feel like we can do it right mm-hmm. and 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 at the end of the day we do do it but at what cost at what cost to our mental health at what cost to our bodies at what cost to our lives mm-hmm. right what's what's you know what is the 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 wins and losses today like yeah we're able to push through but but then what mm-hmm. but then what and why is mental health not as not important as your physical health. Mm-hmm. You got to get a physical every so often. But do they always have to do a mental health um, screening? Is that not, you know, necessary? Because right. our minds are more important, possibly, than our bodies. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know, they say a mind is a terrible thing. You ha- like, you have to treat your mind. You have to, um, you know, live in in your mind and your truth every day mm-hmm. every day if your body don't move every day your mind will your mind will go every day even if you don't get out of bed guess what's still moving your mm-hmm. brain your mind you have to you know make that a priority right. and i think that that's something that people are learning and doing more in the black communities and i'm proud of that i think we're doing i think we're doing much better than mm-hmm. we have you know it's, it's been strides but we, we've been we've been doing better yeah i think we i think we are really breaking the stigma um, and even with having conversations, there are so many more conversations going on with children and young people um, and families. And it's becoming the norm. Like, how are you feeling? And, you know, making our kids mental health a priority as well. And not even to your point, not, not saying so much mental health, but their feelings and the processing of their emotions. And even my friends have become so much more um, emotionally intelligent and aware of like Kids have feelings, you know, mm-hmm. kids have feelings. And I think it's generational because I have conversations with my parents about, you know, my nephews. And it's like, they can feel mm-hmm. like, stop, stop, <laughs> stop discrediting their feelings. Like they can feel they have feelings. Mm-hmm. They're human beings. And and though they may not, you know, have the stress that we have or have to do and figure out what we have to figure out, they still become overwhelmed. They still get angry. They still get sad. They still get afraid. You know, they still get anxious. I had the anxiety the other day. Like, are you anxious? Because of what he was asking me, right? And so acknowledging that truth that kids have these feelings. Mm-hmm. And and how do we respond to their feelings? Do we shut them down and suppress their emotions? Mm-hmm. Or do we leave an open door for them to be able to talk about it? Mm-hmm. And so that's one myth that I think, to your point, we are busting in the black community now is that we're talking to our young people and making that emotional intelligence, intelligent, you know, um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but making strides in it. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And we know, we know, I think a lot of things that we know better, so we do better. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of people do know, sometimes they might not know how to do better, but you know, that's why they're clinicians. That's why they're people like us. That's why we do this so that you know how to do what you, like, you mm-hmm. know, but now you know, now you can know how to do. Right. Let's, let's start doing things. Right. That we know that we should do, even if you weren't aware back then but now you have children and you know it's it started these are the future of the world so right children i think we have to put way more emphasis on their mental health as well um as the as the parents as the adults as the counselors as the teachers as the police officers as anybody who's dealing with people because 
um, mental health is so crucial and it's so relevant in in our communities, right? In, in every community, and to and to understand that kids are going through the same thing we're going through. They're living in a world with with COVID. They mm-hmm. are adapting to going to school at home virtually. They their computers freeze and mm-hmm. their Zoom calls get dropped and mm-hmm. they get confused when they go in breakout rooms and mm-hmm. how to connect to this website and do this and do that and sharing mm-hmm. the screens. Um, and death is happening around them too. Like they, they live, especially for those, and I know that we are, we're not just in Philadelphia, but especially for our young people in Philadelphia, they deal with death on a daily basis as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I got two phone calls today about somebody dying and somebody's close, you know, family and friends. So understanding it, right. Understanding that these kids need an outlet and they need to talk and that emotional intelligence is something that we need to focus on in the black community. Mm -hmm. And we... But, we're all transitioning. Right. We're, we're all transitioning. You transitioning, we're, you know, they ain't see their friends. Like, they, we all transitioning. Can you imagine how anxious, you know, adults were to, to get back to work or to get outside when we could, like, to do certain things and having to adjust? They're doing the same exact thing as kids, as right. five-year-olds, as teenagers, um, as early um, young adults, you know, as elders. Everybody is... Everybody is still, you know, going through the same thing in a different way and having to deal with a transition. Facts. Facts. So, we've come to, we've discovered our journeys, right? We have um, talked about a myth in, within the black community. Um, but now it's time for Truth Is, Donna. So what's your truth? I think is as we talk about therapy and, and, and living in our truth and, and being in our truth, I think it's hard for me to say or to to let people know what I feel like my truth is because I feel like certain things are like precious to you, right? Um, Donna's super secretive, y'all, so we just want to pray that she opens up about her truth. You know, I've been working on it. I, I definitely am not a person who is going to share unless X. And then even if you do ask, I might, uh, you know, dodge the question a bit. But I'm not dodging it. I think I live in my truth every day. I think it's hard to explain to other people what your truth is. And I think sometimes it's it's hard to, to describe, right? But I, I like to keep it simple. Um, outside of my truth as my roles. Because a lot of times we feel like being and living and being true to ourselves is the roles that we were given or the roles that we are you know um yes I'm a parent yes I'm a therapist yes I'm a case manager yes I'm an advocate yes I'm a sister daughter cousin right I'm all those things and I want to do those things well but I'm I like to take myself out of the roles and the positions that I have to play and like to think that my truth is being me unapologetically and and standing on my word and what I want to do and what I what I feel is in my heart. So I feel like that is changing my mind if I want to change my mind. That is feeling like I'm going to express myself or feeling like I need some time. So I think that sometimes like what is your truth? It's kind of like a hard question to answer. So I'm at this point I'm wondering what's your answer to what your truth <laughs> is because in my mind I'm like, you know, come back to me on that. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Like, you know, right. Mm. So what is my truth? I think that we were in school one particular Saturday and Dr. Moore, um, Donald Moore came, Dr. Donald Moore came and he asked us who we were. 
Do you remember that day? I do remember there? that day. Mm-hmm. And we were lost with the answer, right? Because we were like, oh, we're therapists. Oh, we're grad students. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're this. We're, that. we're black. We're <laughs> women. We're millennials. Right. Um, But who are we, right? What is our truth? And so I was praying the other day, Don, and I think I shared this with you. I know I um, shared it with a few other people, but um, I struggled with it, right? Like, who am I? I struggle with acknowledging who I am, right? Outside of all of the roles, Donna, who am I? And I think my struggle, so this is my truth, is that I don't see myself um, the way other people see me all the time. And I struggle with uh, the purpose that is over my life. And I struggle with the calling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because at times it can seem like so much, right? And I struggle with walking in the so much. Mm-hmm. I struggle with like being true to the so much. Like, yeah, God gave you this, so walk in it. And like, I think for anybody else that's from the outside looking in, could be like... Go ahead. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is, it's what you do. And when people think that or assume that, it's like, yo, but you don't know how heavy it is. Like, you know, when your mind is racing at night, you can't go to sleep because you have all these things you feel like you need to do because of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so my truth is that I struggle with seeing myself the way other people see me and walking in um, what God has given me. Um, and so sometimes I think, Donna, I do shy away from it. You talk about it all the time. Like, are you getting in your own way? Mm-hmm. So some, I think my truth, part of that being that I don't see myself that way. The other part of my truth is that I get in my way sometimes. And I prevent uh, major things from happening because I get in my own way. Right. So that's my truth. And I and I see that. I see that in you just obviously being your friend and being around you. I see that in you that people you know, people's thoughts of you and your own thoughts of you. And that's something that I think a lot of people probably want, probably kind of deal with. Mm-hmm. How how you feel like you got to show up for people who have expectations for you or mm-hmm. who you are versus who they think you are, mm-hmm. you know? and you know, Or what you, I feel versus how they think I might react to what, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right, and that's the world we live in. It's kind of like, you know, like a social media world. Mm-hmm. Out, you know, who you are, who you show up to be, you know, people only know small pieces of your life Mm -hmm. but they you know you only can assume from what you know but then it's like you don't make assumptions Mm -hmm. but you you know people again people are people and people have feelings and and we don't know everything and I think a lot of times people don't want to like I don't know you could say I don't know you don't have to know you Mm -hmm. know you don't have to be you know the knowledgeable person on every topic and everything or every person just kind of figure it out as we go and I think we're all figuring it out right I think we are I think we are, and there's nothing wrong with figuring it out. And I think that's what we need to realize too, and that's another myth we can talk about one another day, or we can use it as our uh, two-minute session because we didn't <laughs> have any. This is our first episode, so we don't have any DMs to answer today. But um, you had somebody on your couch for two minutes. What would you tell them about being okay with the journey? So I think that people um, sometimes they get wrapped up in others so I think initially you have to talk about not what other people think like let's take away everybody else because we're so used to you know we live in the house with people we have all these people we have that we have to answer to but when you're talking about being okay you have to you kind of have to attach your feelings to to why you're feeling that way Mm -hmm. right so I think that if someone was on my couch and said hey this is this is what I'm going through. I guess, you know, obviously every situation can be different. General, a general answer 
to them is, you know, let them let them express themselves, let them talk, because I think people don't have that option. Mm-hmm. And then kind of break down the feeling, the fear. Um, and sometimes it's hard to say when it's such a gen- generalized kind of question, but the feelings, the fears, the, mm-hmm. the you know, what do you want the outcome to be? Because mm-hmm. sometimes people, you know, let's talk about what you want the outcome to be. Right. And if, and if the outcome is not that, what is that? Let's talk about the options. Mm-hmm. I'm a solution oriented person. I'm such a solution focused girl. <laughs> solution. What what solution would you like to see? Mm-hmm. If that's not an option, what is another solution? I'm a goal solution type of person where I want to get the best outcome because we're mm-hmm. so used to thinking the worst. Right. right. Or worrying about what the what ifs. But like, why are we worrying about the negative what ifs? But don't consider the positive what ifs. What if this does happen? Right. To your point, solution oriented. And I feel like it was a social media post going around like, but what if it does happen? Mm -hmm. But what if you do get that job? What if Mm -hmm. you do reach that goal? What if you do, you know, get everything you wanted out of life? What if you do? Mm -hmm. Because how often do we think about what if we do? Right. What if we do? Right. Or, you know, I mean, and maybe sometimes people do because people do a lot of kind of like speaking things into existence now. So I think that that's something that we have to do a little bit more of about putting the positive things out there. In the atmosphere. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Well, we want to thank you all for tuning in to the first episode of Black in Therapy. We did it, Donna. We've been talking about this for a minute. Yes. God is dope. We finally did it. Thank you to, first of all, we got to, you know, shout out God because he's dope. But then we got to thank the people that kind of helped us take our vision to and make it a reality. Uh, thank you, Goline, for the promo videos. Thank you, Lauren, for um, the editing on the intro. Thank you, Shari, our uh, consultant, <laughs> our executive producer on this, um, for giving us our tips and the behind-the-scenes things. We This is our first episode. It only goes up from here. I want to thank Donna for um, catching on to my vision and wanting to get it done. Zion is in the background looking at us like, you're not going to thank the director. <laughs> you want to come say hi real quick? You got to hurry up. Hi. All right. <laughs> uh, so thank thank everybody that was a part of this first episode. Rich with um, sponsoring the microphones for us. He was like, sis, what you going to record on? I'm like, the phone. If y'all know anything <laughs> about me, I'm just a get it done person. Get it done. Without going through all the details. What is the solution? And my brother yesterday, we were, the other day we were at lunch, and he was like, well, how, how you recording? He got the mics. He told me, sis, pick the mics up this morning. So thank you, Rich, for the mics. Um, and tune in, y'all. It's going to air every Monday evening, I believe, Donna. Did we decide on Mondays? Mm, yeah, Monday. We're going to rock out every Monday. So we're going to have a new episode for y'all. So subscribe to the Black and Therapy Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Um, send us a DM so next week we can have a question <laughs> a to actually answer in our two-minute sessions. Thank you to our mentors, all our family, uh, for supporting us. It's been a dope show. And our feel-good song of the week is Happy Feelings uh, by Maze featuring Frankie Beverly. Frankie Beverly featuring Maze. I'm not dead you know. I listen to old school music all the time, but it's happy feelings. So y'all enjoy the rest of y'all week on purpose.